Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I am your host, Coleman Hodges, and we are in the thick of the 2020 Olympic coverage where we are bringing you the top athletes, swimming's biggest legends, to break down what they are seeing from the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. And today, we are sitting down with three-time Olympic champion, six-time Olympic medalist, breaststroke legend, Rebecca Sony. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. blast watching and tuning into the games from the other side. I did not watch too much of 2016. So this has been, it's been fun to tap back into it and be a little bit further removed from racing myself and just purely enjoy the spectator side of things. Yeah. I, I really appreciate how introspective you are with, with, with you as a fan and, and just, how you, how you inspect your own swimming career being where you are and being removed from it for, for a while now. Uh, I sat down with you right after Olympic trials and we talked about kind of your experience watching that. And so, um, like you said, didn't, didn't watch a lot in Rio and so far just, just watching the Olympic games again, what's that like for you? It's, um, it's, it's really fun. I watched, I tuned into trials and that had brought up some emotions for me as it likely always will. And, you know, it was a little bit of a roller coaster having been quite removed from the swimming uh, arena for a while and, and even spectating and all of that. And so it just kind of like re like shook out the blanket and <laughs> brought up whatever emotions were underlying and you know, some memories from the trials that I pushed away and races that didn't go well and emotions and, and you know, the, the, the pressure and expectation and just a lot of realization of how these things formulated who I am now and continue to work their way through. And so um, that certainly has been an interesting process. And after trials, we connected and got to chat about it a little bit, which was pretty cool for Caroline Burkle and I and you to sit down together and, and talk about these things. And um, yeah, and since then, tuning into the games has been very light and enjoyable. And, uh, you know, certainly there are some little things that can trigger some things in me, mainly the media coverage and how we look at some of these athletes and how we treat them in the headlines um, that working in minds development and mental health as I do um, really just kind of pinpoint some, some things of interest that, you know, we can start to take a look at as a culture as well. So, uh, but from the racing point of view, it certainly has been quite a, a pleasure to watch. And especially as, you know, my generation is dwindling and we get to see these young names and new faces, certainly new to myself, who has not been too tuned in. And that to me feels really fun, but also seeing the world stage kind of step up a, a good bit and 
and the times that are being put up and the races and seeing these young young faces from all over the world is really um, kind of pinpoints what the Olympics meant to me and how it how it brought together you know the world uh, especially now in a time uh, after pandemic and watching all of that so those are some of the, the thoughts and emotions happening for me uh i i want to get into uh an event that you won two silver medals in 100 breast we saw the final last night um first of all just as a fan did you did you have a reaction what did you think of the of first of all just what a race right mm -hmm. Yeah, what a race. Um, just, I keep coming back to like, that is the Olympic spirit. That is the kind of race where you think you might know what you what will happen because there is a dominant player and a big name in the game. And, you know, we just shows that we, we never know. And really cool for, for myself watching, having been in both shoes of the rookie who's just like, yeah, I just want to, you know, like would love to medal, but really just to big eyed and soaking it all in and having a blast. And, and the veteran who's got a lot, you know, got that target on their back and carrying a little bit more pressure and expectation um, and seeing all of that play out was was interesting I think you know all of the girls performed beautifully and was really just um, proud of the way that the team showed up and um, the demeanor that everybody uh, had afterwards there's nothing quite as as beautiful as the expression on Lily's face uh, Lydia's face after she finished and just like complete shock, complete awe that, oh my gosh, I did not expect that to happen. Um, and really just, yeah, a lot of emotions there and really, you know, took me back to my own 200 breaststroke the first time in 2008 and not expecting anything and just like, all right, you know, let's see what we can do. And, and um, also amazing you know, watching Lydia's progression through trials and hearing, you know, how much she's dropped five seconds in the last, what, year or two, you know, how fantastic. And, and um, if that's not showing how much potential we all have and young athletes to see that and be like, well, why not me? Why not me? If, if I can watch Lydia do that, why not me? And of course, you know, Lily putting up a fantastic race as well. And, and just great to see how she embraced Lydia's success and was happy with her race as well. So really proud of her for that. That, that was a very cool moment. Agreed. Um, especially seeing the, seeing the special right before that about how intense and competitive Lily was uh, on NBC. You know, there's like the, a whole feature about how, you know, she tries to intimidate her opponents in the ready room and like stares at them. And, you know, she's like, I, I want to win. I want to get in their heads. And then and then to for her to get bronze and to embrace Lydia like she did. It's like that's that's really cool. And I think Lydia alluded to that. Um, that's just kind of the effect of Team USA and how they all kind of come together. Um, from a from from more of a technical or nuts and bolts standpoint, was there anything in that race that stood out to you? I was I was talking to Nathan Adrian yesterday, and he mentioned that Lydia Jacoby's kick is is so incredible when you see it from the bird's eye view. Um, you can really see how it propels her forward because sometimes when you see her swimming from the side, it's like she looks like a turtle. 
right? She's like so low to the water and her head just kind of pops up. And it's like, that's, it's not the conventional stroke we've been used to seeing for a while, especially from someone like Lily King who's been so dominant. Um, she just has such a different feel for the water, it seems like. Yeah. And honestly, I wasn't really watching from a technical point of view. I think I've given up on breaststroke technical analysis because everybody is so different. And, you know, we can look at Lily King's stroke and we can look at um, Tatiana Schumacher's total, like kind of bringing back the Adrian, um, the um, Amanda Beard style. <laughs> and um, then we look at Lydia. I mean, everybody is so different and breaststroke really feeds to the individual body and how they, how they utilize it. Um, and yeah, it was such a short and exciting race. I, I didn't really analyze the stroke necessarily. Um, but it is really fascinating to, you know, for me in the hundred, when you see, um, people that you're expecting to be on the first turn first, or, uh, I think more so than the 200, which is certainly my specialty. Um, the hundred feels like if your hand is on the first turn first, you have a pretty good shot, you know, not necessarily, but it was, uh, you know, I knew it was an exciting race from about 25 meters. in when, when you're seeing a lot of girls kind of turning together and, uh, coming into that first turn. So, yeah, I think, all in all, breaststroke is just so fascinatingly different and really cool to see, you know, trailblazers like Lydia to show up and just, you know, I'm doing it my way. This is what works for me. And, you know, I'm sure continuing to refine that in the coming years as well. Um, did you enjoy having the 100 breast first or, or in the where, where in the Olympic schedule it was um, on days two and three? especially because you, the, the 200 was more of your specialty. And um, did, how, how did you handle moving through that Olympic schedule? Yes, I really enjoyed having that first. It, the 100 to me always felt like a, a little, you know, warm up or trial run or dress rehearsal, if you will, um, a chance to feel what it's like getting off the blocks and, you know, back in my day when there was a crowd, what it was like to be in front of the crowd and, uh, and feeling the energy of this competition. I think every competition has a different feel. Plus you've been out of competition and just training and tapering for a while and to, you know, kind of get those jitters out and feel, you know, certainly felt all the nerves and the same kind of pressure and excitement. And, and in a, in a different way though, the hundred to me always felt like a, you know, let's just throw it out there and see what happens and just like sprint <laughs> to me, it was a pure sprint. Um, where the 200 felt like it was so good to flush that out of the system and get ready for the 200, which was more of like, Hey, you need that slow, steady speed. You need to start with like smooth, confident, like kind of reining it in a little bit. And if you're just excited and raring to go, that could probably throw me off a little in that 200. So I always loved having the hundred first. I'm, you know, so proud of those two silver medals that I was able to get. I never really expected that to become, um, a huge area of focus for me in the hundred. And it always, it always felt like a, just like this bonus <laughs> bonus swim for me uh in order to get ready for that 200 and then of course the relay on the on the final night so yeah i always enjoyed that setup yeah the is is the day off nice after kind of coming down from that hundred 
am I am I speaking correctly? There's a day off, and then you you go into the tuner breast prelims. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure that Lily is enjoying that as well as she kind of turns around and prepares for that 200. Which, you know, I'm really curious to see what she can put up with the, uh, on for that 200, and you know, after coming off of this race and. Uh, maybe focusing a little bit on on her strength and lengthening out her stroke or however she approaches the difference. But it is really nice because you otherwise wouldn't really have the time to reset and to just jump back into uh, to the next race. At least, you know, that's the way that that people that focus on one stroke like myself um, kind of really got used to that rhythm of like get a race in and then you have that day to rest. But I've also had it on the other side where I felt great on the rest day. And then the following day, the tiredness starts to hit in and, you know, some of that, um, some of that starts catching up with you, despite how much you're, you're warming down and taking care of yourself and massage. Sometimes it just like hits in on a certain day, but most of the time it's really nice to have that day that day in between to and also to you know get into the stands if that's even possible whatever capacity that looks like in Tokyo but um you know kind of step away from your own racing and really embed yourself into cheering and watching and supporting your teammates because that is very hard to do when you are warming up warming down racing suit drug testing media all of that and kind of tuning into your own process so it's kind of nice to step away and really start um you know kind of tap into the energy of the, the team as well during that day. Absolutely. I'm guessing I, I, I don't think phones and I know social media weren't as pre, uh, relevant when, when you were competing, but um, I'm guessing it's nice just to tap into that team too, to kind of get away from, from all those distractions, as you said, drug testing, media, warm up, warm down, nutrition, recovery, you know, it's, it's a lot to check off the list. And then, you, you know, if you win a medal, but if you want a gold medal, a silver medal, it's like, I'm sure there's a lot of attention that goes with that too, just from everywhere outside. And so I'm guessing just spending some time with the team is probably a nice reprieve. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can't really imagine how it is managing the social media front as well. In 2012, I think it was Twitter that was just kind of starting to, or maybe it was in, no, I think it was Twitter. And, you know, it was start, it was like barely, you would see like 10,000 followers overnight or something versus the person who got a different medal. They got a different number. It, it was just, that was already plenty. And now there's an expectation. Like I even, <laughs> I even, you know, looked up Lily's Instagram to see if she posted anything or, you know, I've been following a couple of people that, that, um, connected with through rise that are at the games, uh, Zach Harding and, and Natalie Hines. And, um, you know, we want to have that like, Oh, I want that inside scoop of what they're feeling, but you know, you can't really expect these athletes to be, uh, processing and like putting stuff out there, you know, for the public to see. And like, you know, I just imagine and hope that a lot of them that, uh, that, that might be an extra stressor for are just like, put the phones away. Like I don't want, we don't need the external input right now. It's time to really just, you know, focus in, tune in, kind of close down those walls and take care of yourself, you know, whether it is uh, on the physical level or the mental level, as we're seeing, you know, a lot 
lot of stuff developing on, on mental health with athletes as we speak. So um, definitely just hope that everyone's taking care of themselves with that, but also really great opportunities for you to set yourself, you know, aside as an athlete and kind of stand up and, and have your own voice and vision and be able to say, you know, what it is that you want to say, as opposed to what the media's headlines are just putting on you uh, regarding how you're feeling about certain races. Love that sentiment. I think that's a that's a that's a great proposition. Uh, do, do, I mean, have you seen that specifically coming out of this game so far, um, or is there an instance of that, that stands out to you? I'm not sure if it was on social media, but Katie Ledecky's reaction after the 400 with, you know, some headlines saying, oh, you know, Katie Ledecky loses her first, her gold medal. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of like, like drama, you know, around that being put on by, um, by the headlines and for her to step up and be like, no, actually, you know, I really enjoyed that race. And I love how that, you know, I loved adding that race to my schedule and I, and I, I loved racing that. And, and it was a great experience for me and for you to be it for an athlete to be able to, you know, put their own voice in instead of just one sentence and an article that the media creates is, um, it really just gives a lot of public respect, I think, for those athletes and kind of shows that there's more to the story um, than we may be seeing or reading in, in a, a quick blip that we have attention during the Olympic, you know, story. Yeah, I mean, it's such a media madhouse, seemingly. Um, just keeping up with every everything, everyone, there's so much going on. Um, it, it is nice to to, to get that athlete's perspective, especially when they, like we said, they're always doing so much that we don't always get to actually hear, you know, a, a genuine sentiment from them. Um, it is, it is really nice to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to take it back to, uh, to breaststroke. Yeah. Um, did you have, did you have a, a method of transitioning from the hundred to 200 at all? Um, did, did what you were doing in those few days change or did, did the lead up you know, in, in camp, in training camp, maybe were you doing a little more speed work for the hundred or were you still kind of keeping that balance equal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, in general, speed work is more difficult for me than finding the 200 pace. So always with the hundred being first, always starting with emphasis on that speed. Um, and really, you know, a chance to race the hundred, a sprint for me is, was a wonderful way to like get that speed up and really, you know, kind of charge that aspect of the race, which might be needed at the end of that junior breaststroke and then allow that to just kind of sit to the background as the transition to the 200. And then it's, you know, focusing more on, on pace, longer pace, lengthening the stroke out and just trying to, you know, get back to, to the 200, which was, which was my baby, which was what I really just felt most invested and proud of. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a huge shift. I think in general, I always had the 200 at the forefront. So whenever I'm doing pace, it was always for the 200. I was generally just training for the 200. Um, and then when it was, you know, a couple of a day or so before that hundred more, more starts and more like just bursts of sprint and finding some of that, you know, fast motion uh, to get ready for that hundred and then kind of dial it back into the two. 
<laughs> I love that. A uh, hundred? No, not really. It's all, it's all 200. Uh, so, so you compared, you know, Lydia's reaction um, to, to kind of how you felt when you, when you won your first gold in the 200 in 2008. Can you take us through a little bit of that emotion and what that raw feeling like you were describing of what, what that feels like to be on the biggest stage to hit gold. Um, and then how that's sat with you for the last 10 plus years. <laughs> it's, it's hard to describe. And I think the, the beauty in it lies that the expectation to do that was, was not there. Not that there was no expectation. Cause I think I read, uh, Lydia saying that she was aiming for a medal. She was gunning for a medal. Um, but I just, you know, kind of recognized that sense of like, whoa, I didn't expect this to happen, you know? And not only that, she got under that 105. I saw that 104 and how exciting that must have been for her. Um, but yeah, having, having so few times as athletes, do we have the chance to like totally exceed our expectations. And that is just such, um, it's such a beautiful, like raw joy that we so rarely get because now she is going to be the defending champ. Now there's a lot of more expectation, right. And we see that in, in the veterans and those trying to defend their, their title, um, trying to repeat the gold and, you know, it's a totally different experience where if you, you know, kind of fast forwarding to my second games where I was defending my gold and, you know, it was, I still did the same gold medal world record. You know, I achieved a massive thing of going under 220, which is what I was gunning for. And it was just like, oh, relief. Like, oh, I did. Okay. I did it. I didn't, I don't have to deal with the, the like loss or the failure, but it's not the same kind of joy of exceeding your expectation because, um, yeah. So it's really cool to see that spectrum of motion, um, and see that when an athlete can just like truly surprise her own self and, um, to see the, the excitement and, um, support of her family, her high school friends back home. And, you know, all these people that they may have thought she could do it more than she necessarily thought, not that she maybe doubted it, but I'm totally speaking through her, but with my own emotions and thoughts. So that might not be the case, but yeah, I think, I think just that, that joy of, whoa, I didn't expect this, like, oh, what now, <laughs> you know, and um, they didn't show the, I was just watching on NBC and they didn't show the, uh, the medal ceremony, but that would have been cool to see, you know, some of the emotions there uh, that she was experiencing. Agreed. I, I, it is kind of a bummer that we're missing some of those medal ceremonies that um, obviously the medal ceremonies look a little different, but I, I really don't think that matter. I don't know. As a fan, I'm like, I, why does it matter that they have to put their own medals on themselves? Like, that's not that big of a deal. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn, though. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? Is that a big deal? I actually don't know. Didn't know that. I, I didn't really think it through and didn't see it because they're not showing it on. Um, is that a big deal? No, I don't think so. I mean, what is it like on a platter in front of them and they have to pick it up and put it on themselves because they yeah. can't? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I think I need to find a, a recording of, of one to see what it, maybe it's a little weird, but also it's still the same. You're still on the podium. You're still listening to your national anthem and watching the flag and knowing that your team and, and support systems are behind you. So um, is it a big deal? Probably not. It's different, but probably not any less different and strange than not having a full arena or, you know, I was watching some of the volleyball women's volleyball USA versus China after swimming last night. And, you know, that was so strange because these girls are communicating and they're so used to like yelling and, and being so loud to be over the, the crowd, but there was no crowd. There's no, and so it was just, it felt strange. It felt like you're in your, your high school gym and watching, you know, but it's obviously the Olympics. So yeah, I think something like that, the crowds not being there and that energy, I'm sure, you know, as you're competing, you're just zooming in and, and honing in on the pool and it's still the same, you know, clearly the times that are being put up and the races that are being had are still fantastic and top notch. But um, as far as differences go, I feel like the medal ceremony would still be pretty on par. <laughs> <laughs> It, it seems like that too. As a breaststroker, did you feel like the crowd always made a pretty big difference? I certainly felt it and heard it, obviously popping up out of the water every stroke and sensing the difference on the final turn of the 200 where the crowd starts to cheer every stroke and like everybody's cheering. Um, yeah, that definitely... If nothing else, it, it just provided some like energy to ride off of. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to feel how it would feel without that. would be curious. I don't know necessarily. It's like I never totally experienced that. Certainly not a uh, big meet like yeah. the Olympics. So it's yeah, got to be different though. Uh, yeah, I feel like that would be like at a high school meet, right? Like you said, like in, in, in a high school gym or a high school pool where it's like, whatever, no real fans, but at a championship meet, you would, you kind of always expect to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, how, what, what are you thinking heading into this, this 200 breastfield? Um, obviously we mentioned Lily King's going to be there and she looked great at trials. Uh, her teammate, Annie laser was one of the stories of the Olympic trials, I think, uh, and making that team and them going one, two, uh, Tatiana Schoenmacher, who we mentioned earlier, looked great in the 100, and she has a really good 200. I think she's been 220 this year. Um, what? So, so how, do you, how do you analyze this field? <laughs> yeah, I just – I'm excited to, you know, just watch, and I don't have too much um, – like, I haven't looked at the heat sheets or the times, but it's just – I think in general, what I'm seeing, you know, as such a difference from when I was racing is that the top eight are now kind of like, they're all there, right? The, the heat in general is much more together going through the first, second, third turns. Um, it's a little bit more of a dog fight. I hate that phrase, but it's a little bit more of a battle. And that just is, it's really cool. I, I'm really happy to see see that progression within women's breaststroke and seeing, you know, just, just hearing that all these girls are hitting 220 and, you know, that was kind of untouchable. So it, it's really just neat to see the progression of, of this event in particular. And yeah, I'm just excited because I 
think, you know, to me, the 200, I, I, I don't watch it because usually I was racing it. And so it's, it's, it'll be fun to, you know, watch and just see who are the back halfers and, you know, what, what is the approach of each athlete, not knowing too much about them. Of course, I watched the, the trials and, and saw Annie, you know, and, and all the emotion that she was driving on and all of, you know, the story and all she's been through and, and, you know, just the story of determination and hard work, but also resilience. And so it'll be interesting to see how that turns over into the games a month later after trials. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it'll be cool to see the semis and how it all gets set up for that final and, and see if any uh, new names and new faces pop up for that race as well. I, I I was looking at it just before this, and I mean your your world record set in 2012 of 219.5 would still hold up in any any 200 breaststroke race since. I'm amazed that it it got broken a year after, but then no one's really touched that time since. I I don't even know if a woman has been 219 since then, um, maybe once or twice. But do you, do you have a thought on that? Do you have an opinion on that? Does it kind of make you go, oh, gosh, or like, do, do you think that's pretty cool? Um, yeah, I don't know. It certainly is pretty cool. And there's a part of, of my little ego that's like, yeah, I could, <laughs> my time's still there. I'm, I'm still. Um, but yeah, I think it was also amazing to, you know, for that to feel like such an untouchable number during the entirety of my career. And then one year later, and I was, I was there in Barcelona in the stands watching and it, uh, you know, it's just like, it's cool to, you know, there's so many instances of where we have, you know, all eyes on one athlete and maybe not all eyes, but you know, the, the, the front runner in an event and that front runner who seems like they're breaking ground it's just this like inspiration for the ones that are next to her who are watching, learning, growing the youngsters who are developing, like all of a sudden that's possible. Right. And, and to see that happen so quickly and, um, and now to see, you know, so many names going around that 220 mark, it's really, it's incredible. I mean, it just shows how we stand on the shoulders of our predecessors and it shows how we learn from and are inspired by what we see other people do. If we don't see others do it, you know, do we have that concept that we could do it too? It's just, it's just really neat to, to see the progress there. I have to, I have to ask one last thing, which was um, you mentioned it, Natalie Hines winning a medal in the 400 free relay. That was such a cool relay to watch it was such a great moment for for team usa for for natalie for simone um what what emotions did you have watching that race and getting to see one of your rise mentors uh come come from being retired to coming back to a sport that they loved making the olympic team being on that finals relay earning her spot and, and then getting a medal Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be honest, I, I was not watching it live. So I did, I already knew the outcome, which changes everything as you're experiencing it, right. The emotion of it. Yeah. But again, it's it, all these stories that just encompass not only, you know, 
the Olympics and the Olympic dream of bringing home a medal and, and everybody's different path and journey to get there. But also, you know, what athletics is for any level for kids who are just starting out and kicking a soccer ball for, you know, for athletes who will never go beyond high school sport. That's not necessarily about the outcome as much as it is about, you know, the passion and and that they're doing what they love. And Natalie Hines was a great story who I've gotten to know personally over the last couple of years through rise and, and just, you know, having, having that story of, I thought I was done, but there's this undying passion in me that says, nope, your time is not done. You need to, you need to go back and do what you love. And to see that payoff is just such a beautiful experience. Couldn't agree more. (laughs) That was, that was gratifying for me. (laughs) (laughs) Having, having having talked to Natalie a few times and interviewed her since she came back, that was, that was really cool to watch and to get, get that closure in a sense, I guess, or, or get, or see her achieve that goal. Um, Rebecca, it's, it's always great talking. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, any parting thoughts or, or, or anything you're looking forward to specifically, um, the tuner breast or otherwise heading into the rest of these games? Um, you know, I'm just enjoying watching it and just seeing what happens. There's so many things that are happening at once with the Olympics. And I just, I, it takes me back to all the things I wish I could have done when I was at the games from going to different events and just brings up all these memories, which is really great. But, um, you know, for me personally, I'm just looking forward to tuning into a couple of different sports and things that, you know, there's still things that I was in such a, such a tunnel when I was there they're like oh you know handball is a sport and badminton they do badminton that's fantastic you know so um and uh, in the Paralympics as well I know that's coming up and and we have a couple of uh, familiar faces that I've gotten to know as well so just excited for what you know what it feels like for the world to tune back into sports and uh, Olympic sports, and which is very different than you know our normal football and baseball and American version of of everyday sports that are always present. But for the world to tune in and and hopefully you know really bring together after I know it's still in in the pandemic, but after all that we have been through as as a global community. Um, it's just great to to see that this passion for achievement and sports still lives on. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.